Hi guys, welcome back to Sustainability Speaks. I'm your host, Saskia. Today I'm hosting a coffee company from Colombia called Amor Perfecto. They source and roast at Origin. Would you guys like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about the background of Amor Perfecto? Okay, Saskia, so let me jump. Um, my name is Luis Fernando Vélez. I started the company 24 years ago in 1997. Um, at that time, at that moment, the specialty coffee movement in the world were just starting, uh, and we decided to open a cafe inside of a gift shop. When I was uh, coming back from a trip from London, uh, because I used to export dried flowers to London, so in the way back, I brought a couple of uh, French press uh, coffee makers. And we start to give to the customers coffee between customer and customer. And all our clientele start to ask, where is the coffee shop? And we didn't have at that moment any coffee shop. So we decided to open in 1997, February, the coffee shop. And that's where the beautiful coffee trip began. And here we are. Mm, Quite a while ago now, but... It's incredible how much you've grown since then from going from a, a coffee shop to the retailer that you are today. It, it is completely different because nowadays we are not anymore inside of the gift shop. We have four shops uh, and a couple of franchises. We have one franchise in Cairo and we have one franchise in another city here in Colombia. Uh, and we did those more to show up to the customers and to our uh, partners how to make coffee and how to create the experience of drinking coffee, not just for the caffeine, but to enjoy the profiles and the flavors of the high quality coffees. Mm. So you guys, you don't just offer coffee, do you? You also sell brewing equipment and you offer virtual coffee classes how did that come about um to me was a huge surprise because when i opened the first uh coffee shop there were no places in colombia to learn how to make good coffee uh the fnc the national coffee federation at that moment had some places that they call uh places to learn how to brew coffee but they don't know anything about espresso. And it was really hard to find a place in one of those uh, courses. So when I went to the first uh, specialty coffee show in San Francisco, I took all the courses and I became a trainer. And I said to me, if Colombia has more than 540,000 coffee growers, here is a huge opportunity for the children of the coffee growers to become integrated into the value chain of the coffee and to get more value out of the business of their fathers and to have a life projection in which they can keep connected to the root of the family, which is the farm, even if they are working in every other city in the world. Because I said, if we have the best green beans, we must have the best baristas in the world. And I think that even if you are in London and you get a barista from Colombia, 
making your coffee, I think it's a completely different experience because that barista can explain you how it's a farm, how it works, how you pick the cherries, how you make all the beneficial processes. And so as when you think about a sommelier, you may think in an Italian or a French guy, what we want to happen is that when you think in a barista, you think in a Colombian barista. So what processes do you use and how does this make you different from your competitors? Uh, I, I will say that what makes us different from our competitors is that we are always ahead. Um, what, what it means, for example, I was the first Colombian that represent the country in a World Barista Championship in the year 2001 and then in the year 2003. Uh, we were the company that pushed really hard to have the national barista competitions in Colombia. Uh, we also were the ones that uh, raised our hand in the WBC in the year 2009 and said to them, how come you talk always about the coffee growers and whenever a barista is making his presentation, he talks about the farm and, and the beautiful family from the coffee grower where he bought the coffee, but you, you don't make the competition in a country of origin. You, you do the competition one year in Europe, one year in the United States. So we need to change that. And that's how we did the first uh, World Barista Championship in Bogota in the year 2011. And at that moment, for example, uh, we were uh, the first who bought uh, a smart lowering roasting machine in, in, in all Latin America. Uh, and we, we are using a smart lowering since 10 years ago. And now it becomes kind of like the standard of any specialty coffee roasting company. So we are always ahead thinking in two main things. How can we provide a better life to the coffee grower? Because as Ignacio says, our work is to work for the coffee growers. So first, uh, and the most important value in our company, and second, how we connect them with the consumer to provide an experience in which when they are having a cup of coffee, they are not only having caffeine, they can distinguish all the beautiful uh, flavors of a coffee cup. That when I start in this industry, when I was in coppings looking at the charts and copying coffees uh, 20 years ago, I, I said, where are the fruits? I don't find it. Uh, I, I don't find the nuts. I don't find the chocolate. So little by little, we start to decrease the degrees of the, 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 the level of roasting. We start to roast lighter and lighter and lighter until we finish uh, discovering all that chart that you see in the SEA with the fruits, the nuts, the flowers, and so on, because the other way around, when you roast really dark, you are destroying all that. Mm. So I would say that those are the two main things that we do completely different from any other competitor. Is that why you would say that you have the world's freshest coffee is because of this process in particular? 
Yes, um, and, and mainly because when you, when you work in a team uh, and when you get and find people like Hunter and Ignacio, uh, to me, Ignacio is the one who pushed me really hard to go worldwide. Uh, because since I start this business, this, this business, I always think that Colombia needs to increase the value of the value chain of the coffee value chain, leaving more value in Colombia. And my idea since the really beginning, because I was coming from an export business of dried flowers, I said, okay, coffee is not going to be a, a, a difficult thing because Colombia has a lot of coffee. Because one of the reasons we need to close the, the dried flower business was because we couldn't find enough flowers to export dried in the colors that the market needs. So when I went to the coffee business, I said, we have 1 million hectares of coffee in Colombia, so it's not going to be a problem. But as soon as I start the coffee business, everybody started to say to me, how come do you think that you are going to export uh, roasted coffee, that's impossible. You cannot do it. And I start to learn and learn and competing and going to the Nordic baristas and going to host in Milano and going to the WBC and so on. And little by little, seven years ago, Ignacio says to me, look, I have been traveling with your coffee all around the world and I haven't found a better coffee than the ones that I bring with myself when I buy to you in Bogota. So let's make it a global brand. And then we met Hunter, and then we met, uh, then Hunter introduces to us the Oxford study of the what happened with the green bean in all the travel from Colombia to any consuming countries. Uh, and th there is the reason. We have all the parchment in our factory. We meal the parchment two weeks in advance of the day that we are going to roast. And so when we roast, the green bean has all the components that create the flavor. And to me, and let me tell you something. A couple of days ago, I found a chart uh, that says the 10 largest exporters of coffee in US dollars. Can you believe those 10 countries, there are five year countries in which there is no possible to bring the green to Switzerland or Italy or Germany or France or the Netherlands, roast the coffee there and then export it to the world. Is any better to roast it in Colombia and deliver it to the other world? Even in terms of CO2 emissions, I think, it's more, it's more sustainable with the planet that it's all about your podcast. So if we are going to talk about sustainability, I would say that uh, a new way to make the value chain more sustainable is exporting directly from the countries of origin. Imagine uh, France or Italy or Spain exporting the grapes to all around the world to then bring back the bottles of wine to their own countries. You, you cannot imagine that. Why that happens in coffee? So we are here to, 
not allow that anymore. Yeah, when you put it like that, it doesn't make sense at all. I never thought about it in terms of fresh grapes, but it is very, very illogical. And your business is not just about sustainability in terms of the environment, but also about sustainability in terms of paying farmers the right wage and keeping profits in Colombia. Would you like to just tell us a bit about that? Yeah, because it's, it's not, I mean, you cannot think about sustainability if, the, if you are not paying well to the coffee grower. And I think that in some ways, our industry is very hypocrite. Hypocrita, we said in Spanish. In any, any uh, coffee conference during the last 10 to 15 years, you have been hearing about sustainability, sustainability, the preservation of the nature, the preservation of the found, uh, of the water. Uh, we have to create more biodiversity. Uh, there is the seals like the rainforest that for me is, it's a pity in the world. Uh, but nobody talks about paying well to the coffee grower. The first thing that you need to consider in order to think about sustainability in the coffee industry is that you have to think about paying the coffee grower. And, and as what happened in the last photo of uh, coffee growing countries, which was last week, is not just a wage that they can have a decent life. What now they are saying is that we have to pay enough money in a way that the coffee growers can have a life of, a life of prosperity. They need to have the possibility to have a better life with more education, with more savings, with a better housing. It's not just having clean water and a good place to live and just paying enough education to the kids. I think we need to pay to the coffee growers a, 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 an amount for their work that allows them to have a life of prosperity. I think that's the most important thing regarding uh, sustainability in the coffee chain. Then you can think about the other issues. But it's not only about the sustainability of the coffee growers, it's about the sustainability of the countries. Colombia is a country that needs to create more value in the exportation of their products. So if we can add value inside Colombia, we are going to create jobs, we are going to use our raw materials, our transportation, our design, uh, the creation of the packaging, and so on. So we need to move ahead and export a final product and not to export just green beans to be roasted outside Colombia. So, uh, look, I'm, I met Luis when, uh, when I was working with the World Bank in, in Colombia. So, so I have, I have the, the, you know, that little heart that ticks. It says sustainability and, and fairness and, and, and that things can be done better, okay? Plus, I'm, I'm from Latin America, so we've lived it. The point I'm getting at is that, you know, I sat next to a guy who is the coffee expert, uh, I would say, in, in, the, in, in the World Bank, and we discussed coffee all the time. And so when I started to meet the coffee shops in Bogota and talking to them, 
and hearing, it was a combination of that and hearing my friend Juan Gonzalo saying that the coffee value chain is the most pernicious value chain of any agricultural product in the world. And when you think about it, uh, coffee is the, maybe the, I think it's the, could be the, the most, the, the largest agricultural commodity in the world. And when you have something that's, I would, let's say it's top three, when you have something that big that is so unbalanced, unfair, pernicious, whatever word you want to use, you got to do something about it. You just can't sit on your hands. And then, and then you start tasting the coffees and you start tasting the differences. And I mean, not only is it pernicious, it's just also bad because what you're getting is an inferior product in a place like New York City at a much higher price. There, there has to be a better way of doing this. And Luis Fernando is a visionary. Luis Fernando started this. He, he built out, he overbuilt his company, which allows us to, to do a global launch for More Perfecto without having to build a huge factory. He's got a top-of-the-line uh, production facility in Bogota that's as good or better as anything anywhere in Europe. So with the, 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 the stars aligned, there's a desire to do things better and, and more so every day in the world. That's, that's what I wanted to say. So on your bags, you have quite a unique QR code. And if I'm right in saying this, you scan this on your camera and it takes you to a link which tells you about the farmer. How does that work? Uh, as I was telling you, um, we have been always thinking about how to connect the coffee grower with the consumer. Because one of the things that I have seen in the past is that the roasters present the consumer as the magicians to create the flavor. And from our point of view, that is not true because we are just a middleman between the grower and the consumer. The grower creates the flavors and, and the taste in all the processes at the farm level. And then we as roasters just need to discover what is the perfect point in which all those flavors appear and give it to the consumer. So for us, the possibility to connect the consumer with the coffee grower, which is the one that creates the flavor, it's a must. So five years ago, I met a guy, I was thinking, because we have started to put the name of the coffee grower in our bags since kind of 15 years ago. And everybody was asking me at that time, and why do you put the name of the coffee grower? Your competitors are going to know where you buy the coffees. And I said, that's great. What's the problem? No, because they are going to meet that grower and they are going to offer to pay more to him. And I said, great. If one competitor goes to the coffee farmers that we bought the coffee, so we buy the coffee, and they offer more money to that coffee grower, to me, that's fine. I did it because then the coffee grower has a better life and is going to have more income and can improve the way he's living. But so we we put the name of the of the of the coffee grower in our boxes since long time ago. 
And then I was thinking with the technology, how we can put something to connect them. And after a conference in Armenia, uh, a guy, Hugo Lopez, come to me and said, I want to talk to you. And I said, yes, I'm ready. What do you want? I said, we have a technology. We create a company with a guy, Colombian guy in Silicon Valley, and we are doing this. And, I, and he showed me the QR code and said, how come? I was looking for this long time ago. Let's do it. And as soon as I said to him, let's do it, he said, he kind of like a, became really surprised and started to ask me, are you sure? And I said, yes, I'm sure. I mean, you came to me. I'm saying yes. What is your doubt? He said, look, I have to be very honest with you. I have met more than 100 roasters around the world. I have shown this technology to them, but all of them are really afraid that the consumer, uh, that, that the competitors will know exactly from where am I buying the beans. So I like it, it's interesting, but we couldn't sign anything with 100 roasters in the world. So we really understand very well. Right now he's our main business partner because he is the one who helped us to go to the coffee farms and to teach the coffee growers those small things that the coffee grower needs to do in order to produce a very high quality coffee. That at the end of the day is not what is happening now that people believe that is just the variety. So if you want to produce a very high quality bean, you need to work with geishas and SLs and eugenoides and things like that. But the reality is that land and variety, it's only 40% of the flow of the flavor. 60% is what the coffee grower does in all the processes since the picking of the cherry until the drying of the coffee. So we wanted to show that to the coffee growers, uh, to, no, no, to the coffee growers, and we wanted to connect the coffee grower with the consumer. So we implement the technology that Hugo offered to us, uh, and we have been working with that for the last four years, and we feel really happy that that is happening because then the consumer realizes that coffee doesn't come from a factory uh, in London or uh, in, in any other part, that coffee comes from a land and that there is a lot of people behind every single step before you can drink a delicious cup of coffee. I think it's really interesting. I've never seen this concept done before. And as a consumer, I would absolutely love to know where my product was coming from. So I think it's definitely a unique selling point. Also, another thing I love about it is that I've seen on your website that you have coffee solely from female farmers. And I think that's really great. Uh, regarding females and coffee, um, it, it's a little bit what happened with the World Barista Championship. Uh, it took like 17 years mm -hmm. for a female to win the championship. And if you go to the coffee shops, I will say that at least it is always 
but at the farm level, it is even more important because maybe the owner of the farm or the one who is presented as the owner of the farm is the man. But I would say that almost in 99% of the farms of the man, of the men, there is always a woman making a huge amount of work that is really important. And the one that is more recognized is the work that the women does when the crop is happening because they are the ones that feed all the people at the farm. And they are the ones that wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning to have the breakfast ready for everybody at 5 a.m. to then have the middle of the morning uh, break to have some food to recharge the energy to continue picking. And they, they serve the lunch and then they serve dinner at the farm. So always the women, it's in the farm making huge amount of work to create the, 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 the beautiful beans that we roast and that we offer to the consumers. But in Colombia, we have also like 30% of the ownership of the farms is in the hands of the women, which is something that we really appreciate and that we are really happy to support. Yeah, that's definitely really cool. The farms, we, we've been to the farms with Luis Fernando and Hugo and um, clusters of farmers, okay? And, and if, if Luis Fernando is almost like a, like a rock star. When he arrives, all, all the farmers know who he is because he's, he, they love him. They just, he makes their life a little better by making sure, you know, helping to get him, get them paid more. But the funny thing, the, the anecdote is that we, we, we went to a farm with our quality control guy, Hugo, and, and uh, Luis, and then one of the largest coffee companies in the world, quality control guy, and then each one made a speech. So at the end of the day, after everybody made a speech and discussed how to get a better product and get better prices, um, the women were the only ones that would speak. The men were just kind of sitting there in the sense of the women obviously run the family. And, and the women, the only question they wanted to ask was, Luis Fernando, how do we get you to buy our coffee? They didn't even care about the, um, the representative of, of one of the largest coffee companies in the world, an international company. So it just, a local, you know, there's an old saying, there's nobody's, nobody's a prophet in his own, in his own land. I, I beg to differ in the case of Colombia and coffee. Sasika, let me, while Ignacio was talking, I something come to my mind that I would love to, to share with you yeah. regarding the work of the women at the farm. Mm-hmm. And, and not only because we, we have in our company like a love story, which, which is something that we really want to talk about in the, in the news in the next few days. Uh, and the story is the following. Um, and, and it all has to be with how we create value in our society and how with the barista profession, we kind of like open an opportunity to a lot of young people in Colombia that maybe doesn't have the money or maybe they haven't found the way to what to do after high school. So uh, like 
12 years ago, my accountant said to me, come on, I want to tell you a story. Uh, my youngest brother is finishing high school and he doesn't know what to do. Why don't you give him a chance to come here and work? And he come and he start just to moving the coffee bags. But very, very, very fast, he decided that he wanted to learn all he can about coffee. And he started to ask me if he can arrive early in the morning to become a barista. And after the 12 years, now he, he used to be the roaster, uh, the copper, and he has won three times the, World Bar the National Barista Championship in Colombia. But the beauty of the story is that like uh, seven years ago or eight years ago, a very good and famous farmer, the one that works with Tim Bendelboy in Willa, calls me because Tim asked Mr. Elias to, why don't you ask Luis if your daughter comes to Bogota and become a barista? So Mr. Elias called me and I said to Don Elias, please send her to our place and we will train her and we will make her a barista. So she came and they fall in love. Diego and Derling fall in love. Um, and like every love story, there are highs and downs and so on. But then she went together to Melbourne to work as baristas. And they spent two years there working as baristas. But at some point, they need to take a decision. Are we going, are we going to stay in Melbourne working as baristas? Or do we want to come back to Colombia? Then Mr. Elias makes the things easier and said to Diego, look, if you come back, I will give you a loan to buy your first piece of land to have your own farm. And they came back two years ago, and now they have their own farm, and they are they are producing such a nice, beautiful coffees that now the coffee is called the Campos Roa family. Roa is the last name of her. And again, you have the, how the women in the coffee, uh, in the coffee plantations is always involved. And he will present, he will represent, Diego will represent Colombia in Milan in October. Yeah, that is such a lovely story. It just goes to show, doesn't it, that you guys, you're not just a coffee company, you're so much more than that. And you have so many success stories in Colombia and across the world. Yeah, and the, and the beauty of this is that Diego now is kind of like, like a, a role model for the young people on how to have a beautiful life just working, not just because to work in coffee, you need to work really hard. Mm. As a copper or as a roaster or as a barista, you need, to, you need to read a lot, you need to experiment, you need to taste, you need to research, you need to do many, many things. But you can do it without having to pay uh, large amounts of money to go to a university. And, and the beauty of that is that 
when you have 540,000 families working in coffee at the farm level, there is kind of like a new opportunity for the children to have a projection in life. Yeah, it's multi-generational. Once you have that kind of business, it's easy to pass on and to get others involved. What are your future goals and ambitions for Amor Perfecto? Where do you see your guys in five and ten years and also the coffee culture in general? Okay, let, let's let's talk about um, my first very short-term goal. Yeah. Is to have a World Barista Champion in Colombia. Mm-hmm. That That is something that we really know. And, and I think that we have a huge opportunity this year because if the competition if, if the goal of the competition is to find a role model and a speaker to create awareness about the coffee industry and to be the leader to talk about the coffee the baristas and the coffee growers I think that Diego Campos our national barista champion that is somebody who born in Amor Perfecto, has all the possibilities because after becoming a roaster, copper, barista, and living two years in Melbourne, working as a barista in one of the most uh, uh, recognized coffee cities in the world, which is Melbourne. And when he decided to come back to Colombia to create his own farm, and after two years, now he is producing delicious coffees. I think he is the role model that the coffee industry needs to show to the world that we countries of origin are not only producers of our raw material, that we understand very well, very well all the value chain and that we have something beautiful to show to the consumers, which is the freshest coffee in the world. Because when you mill the parchment and you have the green beans only for two weeks without the parchment, and when you roast it, you create a completely different cup profile. I will say it's like uh, the difference between a Vieux Clicquot and a Dom Perignon. So we can offer to the world the Dom Perignon of the coffee. Um, that's my first very short-term goal. And thinking about five or ten years ago, I would love to see a chart like the one I was talking before, in which countries like Colombia not only export $3,000 million of coffee, that we export $9,000 million of dollars, and that at least 50% of that value is created by coffees roasted at origin. And I think that the new coffee way must be coffees roasted in the producing countries. Do you think that is achievable or do you think that your brand is more interested in this than other brands, for example? I definitely think it's achievable, uh, and I start to hear things in the in the in the media, 
Um, I don't know if it was Perfect Daily Grind. I wrote an article uh, a couple of months ago saying that why big coffee companies doesn't roast more coffee at origin. Uh, so I think it's going to be a movement because the difference in flavor, it's, it's unbelievable. Of course, that we are talking about maybe uh, about the top of the pyramid with the highest quality coffees, because when you do blends with Robustas and when you sell really cheap coffee, uh, those differences are not very easy to, to distinguish, but uh, at least in the specialty coffee, I think that movement, that movement is gonna happen because consumers want to have something different, something delicious, and they want to pay for it. Because at the end of the day, it's like a completely new coffee. And at some point, is the kind of coffee that everybody has been talking about, but never find it. Because when you roast coffees that have been in, in a warehouse, in a port, in a vessel, then in another port, then in another warehouse, uh, they have spent months uh, traveling or resting in a warehouse. Those coffees doesn't have the full flavor because as the Oxford research says, they have lost all the glutamine, the glucose, and the fructose that are really important elements in the sweetness and in the flavor and the combination of flavors with the other components of the coffee. It definitely makes sense. I can fully see why this industry is growing and why it will eventually take over because everybody loves good coffee. Well, most people love good coffee. So why would they not want the best coffee they can get? Definitely. People, and, and as Ignatius and Hunter says, when you offer an more Perfecto coffee to somebody, uh, we said, we don't know if we are making good to you. Maybe we are not making something very nice. Because once you taste a coffee like Amor Perfecto, you never want to go back to the old coffees that you were drinking. And as we said, it's impossible to talk about fresh coffee when you are roasting all green beans. Yeah, I can imagine. Working the floor at Amor Perfecto 12 years ago and now has his own farm. Um, we're, we're going to be profiling him with an amazing film crew to, to have him tell his story and, and visually show people um, what our future of coffee looks like and, and what we think um, is the most sustainable way to kind of promote coffee and, and, and offer coffee to consuming countries. So um, that, that's what we're super excited about is just telling this story because it's a story that's really never been heard before. Um, and in many cases, sort of on purpose by... Uh, the traditional uh, coffee supply chain uh, overlords, <laughs> whatever you want to call them. Um, but uh, I, I think it's time. I think it's actually the perfect time um, to be doing this uh, with, with the exposure that people have online and the ability to purchase and consume a vast diversity of products nowadays uh, as the world is uh, getting is shrinking to a small size and continuing to get even smaller. 
uh, people people should have the opportunity to uh, purchase and consume coffees roasted at origin, and not just in Colombia. We we want this to happen in every producing country around the world. Um, so so you know that that's how you truly make coffee a sustainable business um, for those countries. That sounds very exciting. I'm I personally I love coffee, but I don't know anything about the industry. And now I'm very excited to see where it's going to go and to watch this grow. Sasika, let me add two, two things. One is that we really need the help of the media to support us and to spread the word because we really need to tell the story to the consumers. And consumers are always... Um, they are like a sponge trying to understand and to experiment new things about coffee. Um, so we really need the media to help us to, to tell the story around the world. Um, that, that, that one other thing that I wanted to add it. Uh, and, and the other one is that we have to make it. I mean, in, in the past, uh, what happened inside the countries like Colombia is that because of the volume or because of the maybe the lack of uh, taking the risk to go and tell to the consumers, look, this is how you have to drink the coffee. Um, but nowadays it's completely different. There is the technology, there is the media, there is the internet. So we can tell to the world in a more open way. Uh, just try to imagine for a second how will be the life of the grape growers in countries like Italy or France or Spain if they were exporting the grapes to make the wine any other part in the world. It was unbalanced, unfair, and that will create poverty. So we need to create a uh, richness inside the coffee producing countries and the best way to do it is exporting coffees roasted at origin. Yeah. Not only because it's better, it's fresher and more delicious with better taste, but also because how the industry works is like if we were in the colony times. Well, you guys are in the best place as social media is just growing and the internet has become so vast now that it really is the time to be spreading this message and that's exactly what you guys are doing and that's why you're here today so hopefully that will happen and hopefully quite soon as well thank you very much uh we appreciate your time and your support and hope to see you soon thank you thank, thank you Saskia. thank you thanks Saskia. Thank you for listening to this podcast. As usual, the links to the brand will be in the description. So take a look down there if you'd like to find out some more or to order yourself some coffee. Um, they did actually say that they would be launching in about September time in the UK. So make sure to check them out. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn for more updates.